right, we're back with another episode on uh, the Saxo uh, Market Call podcast. I'm joined with my great colleague, Sharo Shanana, and we're going to talk about macro. Um, and we're going to talk about the U.S. You know, potential uh, Fed pivot. We also have some FMC matters to talk about. Then we're going to talk about Europe and, and Asia. So basically, all around the world. And uh, Sharo, great to have you here. And um, let's um, let's start with the with the U.S. because we have those FMC minutes on Tuesday. We have a slightly repricing of uh, of the Fed, and also let's talk about about the uh, the Fed's pivot. So, um, and we have the weakening dollars. So there's a lot to chew on if you if you're looking at the dollar and you're looking at Fed policies. But um, take us away or take it away on your thoughts on on these subjects. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hi, Peter. So um, I think last week was in in some ways pivotal, right, after that uh, softer than expected uh, US CPI. Uh, I think that has obviously sparked uh, investor optimism and expectations of uh, multiple rate cuts as well next year. So I think uh, there is obviously growing evidence that inflation could continue to slow from here. I mean, we've already seen that on the headline numbers, uh, but even for the core numbers, which have been a little bit more sticky, I think the um, the high frequency indicators are pointing towards lower housing rents. And so, you know, there is an expectation that uh, we could see the core prints also coming in lower um, over the next few months. So obviously markets are currently, you know, cheerful about that path of disinflation. Um, but two things that really worry me here are uh, one, that wage growth is still elevated, which will potentially you know, continue to worry the Fed. Uh, they will likely be unconvinced that uh, we can get inflation back to the 2% target on a sustainable basis uh, with that kind of wage growth. Um, and secondly, the fact that uh, the Fed is really relying on those long-end yields doing some of that tightening work for them. Uh, so that does mean that uh, the, some of the Fed members at least may try to keep up that hawkish rhetoric. And in that sense, the FOMC minutes that you mentioned uh, due tomorrow uh, will certainly be key to watch, especially you know, because in this week um, is a holiday shortened week in uh, the US with the Thanksgiving holiday. We don't have a lot of other speakers as well. Uh, so FOMC minutes might be stale, certainly, but I think uh, the markets would still be looking for more dovish indica indications um, in there, uh, which brings me to the point of, you know, the US dollar, as you mentioned, yeah, I mean, it's it's really been um, quite heavy uh, last week. And uh, I think if we do see that continuation of the, the dovish rhetoric, I mean, even if there are a few hawkish hints in the FOMC minutes, my sense is that the markets may not um, give them enough notice. Uh, so I think uh, it is likely to be an environment, especially as we are in that risk on mode with seasonality helping as well uh, into the end of the year, you know, dollar could continue to sell. So um, I think uh, we're looking at some very interesting levels in both the Japanese yen and the Chinese yuan, which uh, certainly have started the week a lot strong, stronger as well, um, you know, because of that weakness coming through in the US dollar and this broader risk on sentiment as well. Uh, but also, if you look at, you know, across the G10 space, the Euro, Aussie, uh, we, are, we are really at some top ends, uh, you know, of the ranges for many of these pairs. 
Um, and so the question really is, can they can they extend beyond those levels? Are there drivers for them to extend beyond those uh, top of the recent ranges? Um, I think there is still a lot of potential for emerging markets FX to rebound, particularly if that dollar weakness story was to continue. So, um, you know, but I think uh, the key thing also to watch will be that this dollar weakness story can only continue until something breaks, you know, I mean, we have to watch the US consumer, how the Black Friday sales kind of shape up, do they give us indications of um, a, a rapid weakening from here, we need to, uh, you know, watch um, uh, also the labor market, I think the jobless claims have started to give us hints about uh, the fact that the labor market is starting to weaken pretty rapidly from here. And if that trend continues to kind of elongate from here, I think, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, we need to really watch for signals on something breaking. And that could be um, bring back some of the gains in the U.S. dollar. But for now, it seems like uh, this risk on environment could continue to send the dollar a little bit lower from here. Yeah, there's some great points, and uh, as I also pointed out in our in our internal discussion shower this morning, um, you know, these uh, JP Morgan has these uh, GDP now forecast, and it's also showing a, a pretty significant uh, slowdown in the U.S. economic activity, at least estimated by their model. Um, so that's mm. that slowdown has has really accelerated, and on the Friday's update to the model uh, took it uh, significantly lower, getting to 1.2 percent real GDP estimated growth. Um, and and as you said, I mean, I think the the dollar yen is really we're going to talk about the the Chinese yuan in a, in a, in a few minutes, but I think that the dollar yen move here is certainly quite interesting, right? We we were hovering yeah. closer to that uh, 152 level, and and now we're down at below uh, 149, and it's um. Yeah, it's um. There's a lot yeah. of talk. I I don't know whether you saw it as well. I think Pimco was out, uh, obviously, <laughs> leaking their position, but they have been buying buying yen yeah. in, in an anticipation that the Bank of Japan will be forced because of those inflationary pressures. Because that's the interesting trend in macro, that inflation is easing not in the super sticky core measures, but at least in some other measures, it's easing in Europe and the U.S., but not in Japan, and that's a potential yeah. problem for Bank of Japan. Yeah, and you know, just looking at the valuation for the Japanese yen, it seems like it could be the biggest gainer, you know, from this turn lower if we were to see a more prominent one in the US dollar going into next year. Uh, so certainly, I think uh, Pimco has probably uh, released that, but a lot of other, you know, uh, banks, hedge funds are kind of positioning for that uh, big rebound that could come in the Japanese yen. But for now, certainly that position is still very expensive. Yeah, exactly. It is, but it's it's definitely something to to have a um, to to have on the on the uh, on the watch here if you if you're trading currency markets. And let's move a little bit away from the U.S. and to Europe before we end up in 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 Asia, where 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 you sit, Shar, of course. And and in Europe, the story has very much been that you know we have the structural problems in Europe on energy that is forcing the Netherlands and Germany into a very awkward economic situation. Also Sweden as well, very industrial export heavy economies. Germany is in a recession and um, we're going to get some, some hopefully some good news, at least the sell side economists are believing that that the uh, the European economy is, is stabilizing here. And so there's basically two narratives and, and I'll let you talk about it. So the one narrative is, you know, we have a rebound. We, we, we go back to slight positive growth in Europe 
or we just stall here at uh, at weak economic fundamentals. And then if China and the US doesn't kick into gear, where does that leave Europe as we move into the winter months? And you have the risk on the energy mm -hmm. side. But I'll let you take you take me through your thoughts on on Europe and and what to what to expect for this week. I mean, I think from from my end, I think really the broad story remains the same. Um, Eurozone, you know, UK, all of the economies are weakening. They're weakening faster than the US economy. Uh, but really, you know, at this point, I think the the focus of most of my discussions um, uh, is actually shifting towards. Uh, you know, from a very macro and FX lens, the focus is shifting towards which central bank will be the first to cut rates and who will be the more aggressive rate cutter in this cycle. So I think uh, that's that's really the key question we need to answer from the data that we get in the next uh, few weeks. And um, usually we've seen in the past cycles that Fed leads, um, you know, the other, other central banks. Um, but again, this time, uh, given that, um, the U.S. Uh, economy is, uh, despite the fact that it is slowing down, it still remains um, or it appears that it is still better than um, Eurozone or U.K. economy, both because of uh, the pandemic era payouts, but also um, the resilience of the U.S. economy now towards um, those higher oil prices where, like you said, right, energy prices, where Eurozone certainly is more exposed. Uh, so uh, I think uh, really it is going to be, uh, a very close call uh, going into next year, whether the Fed cuts first or is it the ECB or the Bank of England? Uh, so we, you know, like I said, we need to watch economic momentum. This week, we do get the PMI numbers uh, for all of those uh, three major um, economies. Uh, there is obviously a little bit of a sense that the Eurozone economy is stabilizing. Um, uh, I think if you look at particularly the German economy, which has been called, you know, the the, uh, the sick man of Europe, uh, last few months, uh, the ZEW survey, the, the sentiment survey that we get out of Germany, it has been showing some amount of stability. In fact, um, the expectations index for October, that was higher at uh, 9.8 from minus 1.1 in September. So that was a marked um, improvement, I would say. I mean, not that, you know, we, we could call it a turnaround in the Eurozone economy, but if that sentiment of stability or slight recovery is also conveyed by uh, the Eurozone PMI. Um, I think, uh, yeah, the focus really is on how much the Eurozone PMI could be better than the UK PMI, really, uh, which, you know, where UK certainly has been dodging a recession so far, but last week's data was really reflective of the fact that uh, the cost of living crisis is starting to hurt. Uh, retail sales turned neg negative last week um, on for, for UK. We have the labor market that is cooling. And then, of course, you know, I think more, more and more areas we will see where the impact of those higher Bank of England rate hikes uh, will start to be felt as well. Uh, so all in all, I think uh, it's really going to be a relative game. I don't still see a huge uh, room for improvement. Uh, but even in the sense of some stability in the Eurozone, that might look like uh, pretty positive compared to uh, worsening indicators um, elsewhere. Yeah, um, I, to, to me, the link the link to a stronger Europe comes via uh, a stronger a stronger Chinese economy. And um, yeah. uh, you know, on Friday, it was there was a meeting between the People's Bank of China with the key financial institutions. A lot of talks, and today it was circulated that the, a list of 50 uh, real estate developers or 
companies related to the industry um, is com- is you know being flagged as a, on this list as companies that can get I think I don't know whether I want to call it emergency lending but they have an access to a lending window that is not uh, accessible for anyone else um, and that's a sign that that the Chinese uh, the Chinese government is still trying to stabilize that part of the economy, but I really, because of the trade link between China and Europe, I think really China is the key here, and 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 I think it naturally takes us to uh, our final talking point, which is of Asia. So. Um, we're going to talk about the RBA minutes, and we're going to talk about the U, uh, UN stabilization. Actually, the latest uh, jump higher, yeah. So the uh, the Chinese currency is strengthening there. But um, take me through uh, your thoughts on on those two topics, uh, Cheryl. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think um, uh, very rightly said, you know, Peter, I, I think the Chinese authorities are trying to broaden out their measures. And I think there's a very conscious effort to um, kind of support the yuan, like you mentioned, right? Um, uh, so last week, we saw a ramp up in liquidity measures, um, which is a signal that uh, the Chinese authorities want to probably stay away from any direct rate cuts at this point. So those uh, ramped up liquidity measures last week uh, could mean that, uh, you know, we probably do not get um, a triple R cut at this point, which was started, started to be, you know, expected as well. Uh, so I think um, those measures, and we've talked about uh, the, the strong recovery that is coming through in the UN, and there's also signals from their daily fixings. I mean, this morning also PBOC's um, fixing for the onshore yuan was uh, quite strong. So there are signals that the Chinese authorities are really trying to make an effort to support the yuan to you know make room for its recovery, uh, especially with that weaker US dollar story playing out. Uh, so I think that's that's going to be really a key focus for me uh, this this week. Uh, but you also mentioned um, RBA minutes, right? And again, you know, I think for we've been saying for quite some time that Aussie dollar has a bigger focus on what happens in China, what happens in the global risk sentiment than really what's happening domestically. But I would say things are things have turned around a little bit uh, this week because uh, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, con- conflicting rhetorics coming out uh, from Australia uh, over the last uh, few weeks uh, where we did see a rate hike um, at that uh, November 7th meeting, uh, but the accompanying language was somewhat dovish. Um, the CPI forecasts were actually raised and the jobs data that also came through after that meeting has remained strong as well. Uh, so I would say it, the conviction in saying that the RBA rate hike cycle has ended is not the same as it is for the Fed, the ECB or the Bank of England. So I think uh, the minutes, uh, RBA minutes that come out tomorrow morning in the Asian hours are likely going to be um, an important input for uh, Aussie traders, uh, for those who are trading the Aussie dollar. Uh, we also get Governor Bullock um, giving a speech on economic and monetary policy this week. So I think these there will be a more than usual focus uh, for you know these Aussie dollar traders uh, because we are at an inflection point, but we're not quite there yet. But at the same time, you know, again, certainly if we continue to see more of that support coming through for uh, the Chinese yuan or, you know, for the economy in general and this global risk on sentiment uh, kind of remaining in place as well for now, as we said, until something breaks, uh, there, there is uh, a tendency for Aussie dollar to kind of react positively to the to these developments. Right, 
good point, Sharo, as always. And um, I think it it takes us to the um, takes us to the end of today's uh, today's podcast. So, uh, although potentially a quiet uh, a quiet week um, with that ho- Thanksgiving holiday in the in the US, still important to see how the market is is um, is pricing is pricing the um, <clears throat> the sofa contracts and the Fed policy, uh, the pivot, and watch out for this those FMC minutes. And uh, tomorrow we also have the jobs claims, as Jaro mentioned. Europe, key story with a key link to China. Is there a turnaround, or is it just more weakness with you know uh, some areas of the Europe being in a recession? What's the UK budget? Also, the RICS bank is in focus, and um, and then again in Asia, the RBA minutes and the UN stabilization or even strengthening of the Chinese currency are, are key things to to chew on and watch. And um, yeah, just want to uh, you know everyone have a safe uh, trading investing out there, and, and we'll be back again uh, tomorrow with a fixed income podcast with Altia and and Shaw and I will be back next week again on on macro. Thank you for listening.